Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing Honk, it's No, but seriously, in Mississippi, do you guys count? Like, if you do like, one, one Mississippi, do you, do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I grew up doing that. Actually, it was funny, in college, I people would be like doing the one Mississippi thing and and they were like did you think in Mississippi that people from other states did like one Maryland two Maryland one Ohio Carolina? and I was like I never thought about it so maybe <laughs> one California That's just the two way we California. did it <laughs> California works pretty good yeah you need the yeah. syllables you need yeah you need at least four, one probably. one Maryland does one Maine <laughs> two Maine one <laughs> God damn, dude, you're rushing me here. You're rushing me. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's not that many that would work. North Dakota might be too long. One North Dakota, that's the same. Yeah, North Carolina. North Carolina, too. You could say Carolina. You could say Carolina. Georgia yeah. would New Hampshire. New Hampshire, unless right. you're saying the Shia. New Hampshire. One territory of New Hampshire. Puerto Rico. Two territory of Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, have, have you been watching Cobra Kai? Have y'all seen Cobra Kai? I certainly have. I, I, I started it. Yeah, I just finished it the other night. I, I loved it. You you told me that you only watched one a day because it was so good. And I was like, oh, this shit must be great. If really? Josh, like, won't let himself watch more than one at a time because he loves it so much. But I, I wanted it to marinate. I wanted it to be like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bend. I was I, very surprised. That I mean, it's not it apocalypse now or anything. It, it's, it's not, it's not, right it's not like cr- critically great. It's entertainingly. It's like good. porn like, with it's no so sex. It's so entertaining. It's like porn without sex. It's about but that it, level. It's, okay. So we kind of, we kind of approached this topic on the pod a few times where, you know, like songs that you hear from a certain point in your childhood. Yeah, it's nostalgic. Uh, <laughs> affect you in a certain way. And so this is, instead of like, this is basically, instead of doing a cover, you're like basically taking like the content of a song and then like, well, I'm going to write a song about what happened to that person afterwards. Well, yeah, and it's you know? it's such a, um, no one's ever done that before, taken uh, an old 80s movie and then just made a kind of complete, just re-envisioned it with the same actors and just kind of told the story like, 30 years later it's just it's, it's kind of it, cool it's, it's completely original I think I would enjoy it as a movie like an hour and a half movie I definitely don't need a series well, how much have you watched uh, probably two episodes I'm not watching anymore like once it starts talking about Daniel's daughter I like, don't give a shit about her like what it gets, it gets <laughs> dumb like you know like the, the, the Daniel and Johnny stuff cool like it's a definitely interesting you know fun but yeah, I mean I feel like everything know. these days is a throwback well, to a time when things were actually interesting I think it'd be very interesting for an hour and a half to make a series out of it or whatever. It's like definitely. I I appreciate the fact that they do them in twenty minute increments. It it's not, well, you know, life changing, in depth thinking about your life shit. It's just entertaining stuff. That. But that's goes my back point is it, it ceases to be entertaining once it gets off like into his well, daughters. Yeah. Like I, once it start, once the camera's not on Daniel or Johnny, I don't give a shit. I think we consume content differently, Jonathan. There's a lot of things that you just don't seem to have time for. That, like, I would watch eight seasons of Cobra Kai. But really? I, yeah, sure. There's so much I do all day, and then I budget time to, like, just turn my brain off and watch something silly for a while. The reason I think it's so creative is you're taking the antagonist from a movie that a lot of people really love, 
and making people sympathize with him. Yeah, you have to introduce Daniel's daughter and his son and like kids well, and stuff. Yeah, but, but you're, you're not... still following his listen, trajectory. I think, I think some of it is a lot of it's the payoff. Like if Jonathan, you just didn't have time for it. But as you watch, just like the parts when fucking mouth turns into hawk, when uh, Miguel comes in, he's like, "I'm the man! I'm the man!" Yeah, he's like, "I'm gonna get a soda." Hey, Johnny, you want a banquet? <laughs> Let me get you. And Michelle was like, what's a banquet? I was like, Coors, baby. He's, he's asking course. Johnny if he wants a Coors. Now, speaking of Coors, we were we were all at, we were in a band together years ago, and we were having a practice one night, and I stopped to get beer. And I was like, oh, my God, banquet beer, Coors Original. I, I don't know if I've ever had this. I bought a six-pack, and I remember very distinctly showing up with a, like a six or 12 pack of, of Coors banquet beer and Johnny you and Neil both were like Coors who the fuck drinks Coors original <laughs> Coors original why the fuck did you bring Coors original and I'm like whoa I fucking brought beer to band practice and you guys are giving me shit well, because I, I think it's since Coors that original. day I've respected Coors because you over the past couple years every so often you just be like there's a 12, 12 or a Coors banquet beer in the fridge. It's better than light. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it's not saying than silver much. bullet. Uh. But no, I think the thing is, here's the thing: is like I recently rewatched the Karate Kid, you know, the movie, and yeah, watching that. That's one of those things where, um, growing up, I stay with my cousin, you know, when I was young, and there was like one videotape, and it was Karate Kid, and I've yeah. seen that movie a thousand, like probably seventy five times, easy. Yeah, the VHS tapes written oh, with the writing on the mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Some about like being from North Carolina and being there and and seeing that movie and once again California didn't even seem like a an actual place you could go it, it felt like a an idea like it felt like going to like Narnia or some shit like it's not a place <laughs> it's not an, it's not an accessible place you could physically travel to and then coming out here and living out here and seeing that film that movie's just so good that it's just like man the Karate Kid is one of those things it's kind of like Point Break. Conan the Barbarian, a few other films where, man, everything somehow just came Commando. together. Well, hold on. Commando, hold on. Well, oh, after that. No, after no. that, it wasn't. And we've we've talked no, no. about this before. No, Commando rules, but it wasn't luck. The Nintendo game is better. The com- Commando no, 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 Nintendo no, 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 game no, no, is better. No, 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 no. Don't even begin. Don't even begin to defile fucking Schwarzenegger on this podcast. Whenever I'm on the 101 and I pass the sign for Rosita, I'm like, Yeah, kid. every time, I, every I, think time about I see Rosita, Rosita Boulevard, Rosita Exit, all you think about is yeah, Karate Kid and that little pool and that <laughs> shitty little apartment complex. But my, here's, the, here's the, if you watch it again, the, the funniest thing is at the very beginning where Daniel's like pushing his bike into the apartment complex. Yeah. And he's like, hi, hi, and he kicks the door and the door hits that dude in the face and the guy like hits his nose and the guy's like, what was that karate? It's like yelling something and kicking a door is not karate. <laughs> yelling hi and <laughs> saying karate. <laughs> I mean, it's like you were on the other side of the door, asshole. Like you really think that was like some, some serious like study went into that kick? Like, come on, man. Think about it. And on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to You. And this week we will be discussing Sharon Van Etten's 2019 release 17. It was one of my favorites last year. It's fairly simple, you know, but it harps on universal themes, place, time, youth, 
growing up, change, hope, fear. Uh, it, it, it's very relatable. It's, it's rebellious. It's got energy. The production does a nice job of like interspersing space and chaos and doesn't really over without overpowering the song. Uh, I love her vocals, the anthemic vibe, a la Springsteen, Arcade Fire. It's a little less straightforward than a lot of Springsteen tunes, in, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't say it's a perfect song, but it's definitely memorable, and it stays in your head long after you hear it. It's kind of apropos of the song, which is about a place that and time and, and in your life that, that you never forget. I think it's fine. <laughs> Neil? I think I think it's fine too. Uh, I would never pick it for this podcast, but I I think it is worthy. I think it's a nice song. I must say I like I like the music more than I even like the vocals. I think Johnny might disagree with me on that from our previous conversations. But I really like a good drone, um, the way it's textured. I like what she does with just a handful of chords. And I do the vocals. The vocals are good. They're very passionate. But even when she really goes for it at about three minutes in, I'm not into it. I love what she's trying to do. I love her passion, but it doesn't. It doesn't hit the mark for me. It, it like I, I kind of cringe. When I listen to that, it, it doesn't do what she intended it to do for me. I'm sure it does for many other people. I can see why people would like the song so much and gravitate towards it. I know it was very, it was very well reviewed throughout 2019. It's it's a very popular song, but it wouldn't have been my first pick. I, I do like the production a lot. I think the songs. I think it's a. I think it's a fine song. I think the production's really good. I like the performance. But to me, when I hear it, I immediately. The first thing I thought of was Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. It's very of that ilk, not as good to me. But there again, it, it, I, I think they did a lot with the arrangement. I think I think the most outstanding things aren't the things that she contributed unless she produced it. Because I think the song itself is cool. I think it's so easy to get into that, yeah, I'm going to be nostalgic for my... I feel that's kind of a done-to-death subject matter. I feel like it's almost a bit cliché. But it's cool. I just feel like there are other songs that do the same thing better. I would say that the song almost transcends nostalgia. I don't really, like when I hear it, I don't really think of it as nostalgic. I think of it as, there, there's two ways that I kind of interpret it. Like I, she's either talking to herself, her younger self. She definitely is. Like, and <laughs> Have you seen the video? Yes. In, in the place like that she grew up and like change, how she's going to change, how the place is going to change and how you think life is going to be a certain way or you rebellious and you don't want to be the adults you've seen and and telling herself it's almost like a I don't want to say a love letter because it's not that sweet but it's it's looking back and while looking forward I just don't think it's nostalgic I think it does both things I don't think it's staying in one place I think it's moving forward I don't find it I mean I think she's being nostalgic but I don't find the stal- the song nostalgic and I, I certainly don't think she transcends nostalgia, but because <laughs> she's as far, not nostalgic. <laughs> but as far as the lyrics are concerned, I think it just has high highs and low lows. On a first couple listens, I was disappointed because some of my favorite lyrics were not what she was saying, <laughs> such I, as I thought she was saying "downtown hotspot" and not "harks back." Just "downtown hotspot" sounded cool, not "harks back," and it still sounds like she's saying that. 
And another one was, now you're a hot shot, is what I thought she said, which still works in the song, but she's saying, now you're half shy. Instead of, now you're a, I don't know. So, yeah. We're looking at different lyrics, man, because I'm, all the lyrics that, that I've looked at online are, say, downtown hotspot. Huh. Well, all the, all the, all the, really? And that's one thing. I was actually, I didn't have time to actually try to find the liner notes and the actual lyrics. If it is those, then kudos. Then I fucking love the lyrics. Okay. Is it, not to be semantic, to get into semantics, but just to make sure we're arguing on the same page. Nostalgia. Sure. The definition for nostalgia, a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past. Typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. Josh, I said I I don't interpret it as nostalgia. Okay, so you, like I, I I the way I listen, I I know what the definition of nostalgia is. I don't think it's her looking back. I, I don't think there it's necessarily happy. I don't think she's looking back with happy memories. I think she's it's it, she's struggling with talking to her younger self or or some youngster that she sees on the street about what their life is is, is going to be. I I don't really think it's nostalgia for a time and place. So you don't I think, think she, it's just, just to clarify, you don't think she misses being 17? No, I do not at all. Okay. No, I don't think so I, I think she's, I think she's looking at being 17 and using that to put herself in a place and time to see all the change that's going to happen. Yeah. I to wish say I it's going to be all right. I to wish be I hopeful could. about it. Like, hey, you were scared at 17 and like you were a hot shot. But now it's going to get better. You may end up being those people that you don't want to be. You're going to be fine. Like this is this is life. It's going to change. You're going. It's going to move forward. You're not going to stay in the same place, and that's okay. I don't think that's nostalgia. I mean, even when she says, "I wish I could show you how much you've grown," she definitely doesn't want to go back. She's definitely happy with where she is. It certainly has an essence of nostalgia. I, I think we're getting a little we're splitting I, hairs I, here on. I think okay. Let me. Here's here's a good here, here's a, a good way to put it. I think she looks back and says when she was 17 or when you're 17, when anybody's 17, you think you're, you don't want to change. You don't want to like become an adult. You're going to be different. You're going to be cool, but it's going to happen anyway. And so I, I think you're, she's not setting it back in one place and staying there. It's, it's more of you're going to get here and that's fine. But she said, I used to be free. Freedom is generally a good thing, suggesting she is no longer free. That sounds nostalgic to me. Sure. Or was it, and she follows that with, or was it just a dream? Or was I 17 and just didn't know anything? Because I'm fine now, and I didn't want to be here, and I didn't want this place to change. But it has, and I have, and I'm okay. To your point, it's not glory days. It's not that. On the yeah, nose. I, it's not that straightforward. I think you can interpret it multiple different ways. I think you can definitely interpret it as nostalgia. I, 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 I did the, probably the first couple times I listened to it. As I listened to it more, I, I looked at the lyrics differently, and that's where I am now with it. I really want to know what she's saying now because I because yeah I when I clicked on AZ lyrics it says hot spot and hot shot which now I'm now I'm all in which and I also love like she says she says downtown hot spot halfway through this life you're not halfway through your life at 17 you know I mean it, it's you think when you're it, it's it's looking at youth and saying like remember how free you used to think you were and like how much was ahead of you and how like uh, much was uncertain and how much you were scared and how much you were hopeful at the same time. Saying I used to be free suggests you're not free. But following that with, or was it just a dream? It says, I, no, sure. no, it says I used to be free. I used to be 17. I, but the last, I, the last course she says, or was it just a dream? So I think that's leaving you on a note of 
that's one of my least favorite lyrics. It sounds so cliche, or was it a dream? You know what you're talking about. There's a, there's so many times where I really love the lyrics, and then I then I fall off underneath the ashes and the stone. I'm like, all right, I can. Once again, I think it's a cool tune. I really do. I just think this is like a just add water rock and roll topic. I feel like it's a prefabricated topic that like has been done in more interesting ways but I dig the production and that's fair that's a fair point I, I don't dis, I don't necessarily disagree with you on that I just think she does it well and to go into the music part of it I think the music it really gives it something it's a little like reminiscent of I, I mentioned Arcade Fire and, and Bruce Springsteen Pat Benatar Joan Jett actually less Joan Jett more of the pretenders like Chrissy Hine I feel like it's got that kind of energy it's Stevie Nicks brother it's all over Stevie Nicks it's just like have you heard her solo stuff it's like Edge of Seventeen yeah, that's, that's a great comp. I maybe mean, themes. I'm just talking about like vocal. When I hear her vocals, I'm thinking more Chrissy Hine. But have, but have you heard that Stevie Nicks stuff I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, but the production, yeah, sure. the arrangement, because well, it's like, to me, this song is like Stranger Things. It's kind of paint by numbers of the 80s. And it's now that could be done. But like, whereas Halt and Catch Fire is the 80s, but it's not done to death. It's not paint by numbers 80s. It's so to me, this is Stranger Things popular fine nothing special you know but it's, that's, but it's, and that's it is, fair but it is a, i'm not gonna it's a cool tune are we gonna it's start fun. a new pod about uh popular shows we should just do one on hot and catch fire the show that no one watched well yeah no that's a great show but how dare you on stranger things it's it's so it's all paint by numbers <laughs> it, everything from that about that movie is a show is derivative yeah okay i can't believe i didn't think of edge of 17 that's a great comp because it's such a better use of a better song a better performance and I, I had written down like so many people sing about seventeen. I I don't have, I don't think of my year or my, when I was seventeen being all that consequential. I suppose it probably was, but you were a so many in high school. Yes, you're about to like go to college. Yeah, yeah, it was great, but I, I I don't I don't know. Like I have other years that I think about more, just because it comes up so much. And is it because it's the year before you become an official adult? Because like I well, mean, uh, no, it's the year where you're about to leave your the, the, your parents' home and go, go off on your own. I mean, that's a huge change. You could argue it's the last year as a kid. I don't want to say child, but it's your last yeah. year. You're well, legally no. not. Well, legally, yes, and even to the the Kings of Leon song seventeen, and there's so many songs. There's the Beatles are always referencing seventeen. There's Warrant. Was that She's Warrant only seventeen. Oh, I was about to nail that one, which is legal in some states. But, oh my god. <laughs> That being said, can we just stay on the line and do Edge of Seventeen after this? Oh, oh Edge of Seventeen, like cor- the chorus is so good, like the pre-chorus. Oh, just those power chords. Oh, dude. I mean, I love some anyway, anyway, um, let's so, stay on so, track. So here's the thing. I feel I do feel like the Arcade Fire tune we we talked about was a more unique take on the matter, and so I feel like that's a more. Uh, I don't like. I don't feel like that song was very derivative. The Arcade Fire. It, it wasn't my favorite tune, but I thought I felt like it was uniquely. But I do feel like there's this whole rebel without a cause theme through a lot of stuff where it's like, look, you're a white person in America. You're really not oppressed. Like, you're fine. But we have this idea of, like, I'm fighting against. Who am I well, yeah, fighting and, against? And artists have to do that. You have to have that struggle to create what you do. I mean, you have to have that sadness. Well, wait. I mean, she's not a white man. This is a white woman we're talking about, and, she, and women, I would argue, have a little more to deal with, no, you no know, doubt. in society than, but I still than feel we like... do. If she's singing about it, and I don't feel like this is straight up rebellion. I don't think it has anything you, to do you said with, rebellion. The art, with the, rebellion lies. But you said, but you said that the idea of rebellion. 
it has a rebellious feel because I feel like when you're a teenager, there is that kind of like, I'm cool and I'm like free and I'm better than everybody else. I know what's going on. But you don't, like she says, the, the line, you think you know something you don't. You think you know everything you don't. It, 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 there's a rebellious feel when you're talking about teenagers in general, especially in art and music and TV shows and stuff, usually. The, the whole Arcade Fire thing, I think that they do it in a much more creative way. I think this is very straight ahead. Once you were 17, like again and again, it's fine. But I think the, the Arcade Fire song we did talk about does it in a much more creative way. And one thing that you said on that pod, that you they went to the minor just to like do something different. I wish they would have done something a little different here because it's just over and over and over. Right. But I do like it. Um, I'm just trying to... So here's the thing, and I've never even really researched the lyrics to the song about Dimension or really gotten into what it is, but I swear it's the same idea done more subtly, more uniquely. 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins has this same vibe, and I feel like it's more subtly interesting, even though it just has that same feel. It's very minimal. But I feel like it's uniquely Billy Corgan. It's uniquely Smashing Pumpkins. And I find that same thematic, but more subtly yeah. interesting and unique from, from that song as well. Yeah, I think this is a great song. I just I don't know why it was so highly reviewed and regarded. I'd like to know, like, what what's the so, specific reason? Hold on. What's the specific reason you chose this song? What did it do for you? I probably first became aware of her maybe around her second album, I don't know, 2011, 2012. She released her first album in 2009. And, but it was specifically like I would hear like a track here, a track there. I like her voice. I, I like her songwriting. And then this album, when it came out, because I, I, if an artist I like, I'll always listen to an album. I really liked this album. And this, I think, is the best song on that album. And like I said at the, at the beginning, I think it was a song that just stuck in my head. And I, I played it a lot. If, if I listen to a song and it sticks in my head and it stays with me, that's what I think is a good song. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's, it's well, it's it certainly feat. it grew on me a little bit. <laughs> I like it a lot more than I did at the beginning of the week, but that doesn't mean I'm going to put it on. But I do think I, w- I was asking that question because if I would have had a specific experience with this song, I feel like it can be powerful in that way. Like if something happened and I was in a good place or I saw it live or I just met a girl or was having a good time somewhere and this song came on and it and it kind of stuck its roots in me then I'd really love it. It has that epic anthemic passion to it. But I've never had that with this song so I had to manufacture it throughout the week and I did my best. This song is banks buddy. I feel like I feel like this song is background music where you're not like solely focused on it. It could provide a lot of great atmosphere. I think it's cool. I don't think it's without merits. But I think if you yeah. really put it on the microscope it's kind of like well Okay, it's 1,143 on my list of songs. I never get past 200. Why I would never listen to the song. There, there's probably four songs on this album. The album is called Remind Me Tomorrow that I really, really like. And this is, this is my favorite one. I, I, yeah, Neil, I get the, the moment thing. But again, I, you know, I, the way I listen to new, new music is I kind of have new albums that I hear about in, mm-hmm. in a rotation. And so like this, I probably listen to you know, well, eight, and, ten times. And I always wanted, and this was one of the songs that was just like, I'm going to continue, this is going to be in one of my playlists for, for years. I, li- I like this song a lot. Yeah, and even if it's not like an epic moment with friends or with a girl or this uh, big moment in your life, if you're listening to the album and it affects you... you oh, yeah, put, it's, it's very uplifting. I, yeah, I, well, I, And I don't even know if it's supposed to be. I don't, I don't really think thematically and, it's supposed to be. It has that energy, though. Yes, I have, the, I have that... Uh, if you specifically are like, I'm going to listen to this album and then that song comes on, 
even if just the moment in your mind, where your mind's at, you're thinking about certain things and this just affects you. In a, you know what I mean? Like, So if I'm listening to it, let's say driving down the road, it's a great driving song. I do. It, it, it makes me, it picks me up. It definitely you know, it picks me up because I do think it's hopeful about, you know, life. I mean, it definitely drove me crazy. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> now, also, what do you think is the most singularly profound part of the song? Like, what, what is the thing you're like, this is the thing that makes this song? Well, as I said, it's not it's a perfect question. song. I, uh, unlike Neil, I really like her vocals. I like, I like, her, I like her vocals, too. I like her vocals. I like the way she hits that in three minutes in when she says, you know, I know, you know, yeah. who you're going to be. I like her I, passion, I enjoy, but... I enjoy that. Also, the more I listen to it this week, I really like their placement of synth- synthesizer and, like, effects the production, within, the, within the, the song, within the production, which was really great and subtle and, like, not overbearing. I really enjoyed that, but but before I, I think it's just it's just the energy of the song. Really, every time I listened to it, I, I felt good and it stayed in my head, and I, I didn't get tired of like saying it wasn't a song where I was just like, ugh, I don't want to hear. Well, I just this. think everything you said is the production, and you you might be right. Yeah, and I I like I, I started this pod just saying how much I did love the music. I really love the drone. I love the, the synth that you were talking about. I love. Not many people do like the solo section with some la la las. I not I don't like the la la las. That's a little that's a little JV. You prefer na na nas? <laughs> More of a na 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 guy. <laughs> yeah, night they drove all Dixie down. But as long no, as it's not yes. No, I real I can't I I couldn't put my finger on what that reminded me of that like that that really cool like because yeah, in that, that part they they definitely go into a little like fantasy eighties keys a little bit. But I, but I really like the kind of like dragging droney, like, like that stuff's yeah. really cool. I didn't realize you played mouth synth, Neil. That's fucking awesome. Like, what, what kind of mouth synth is that? Is that like a T8000 or this fucking, I dig it. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I've been working on that <laughs> that's a, all that's week. That's a pretty mouth synth you got there, Neil. You know, she wrote this about, you know, living in New York for a long time. So I, I wonder if some of those sounds were meant to kind of mimic the sound of a city you know, that's just what happens when you so. turn the pitch wheel on a synth i mean it's yeah you hear it in the I, show I think time. it was just good production i don't think that that had anything to do with new york but I mean, that's the first thing maybe, everybody no, does I, I, I like you i like you trying to assign it there like that's the first thing everybody does with the, the synthesizer You're just like, the, the raw randomness of new york <laughs> okay so what i know that you guys have both said you're probably not gonna listen to it again but if you were going to hear it where would you want to so Here. I think they're doing. I think I think it's uh, good thematic background music. I think it's good. Um, once again, you said driving something where you're not putting it under a microscope. You're just kind of getting swept up in the vibe. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think it's I think it's a, a good mood. I think it'd be great in a film or something. Or like you know, I think it'd be a great theme song for a TV show actually. Yeah, it, sure. I, I agree, and it's it's funny because I hadn't really dove into the lyrics before this week. I mean, there were certain, like Neil said, like downtown hotspot. You know, like I always. Like, I want to know. Every, I need to find out now. This is definitely one of those songs where I I listen to it and I just kind of if I don't know the line, I just make up my own words to sing to myself. It's it's one of those songs that it's definitely more of a vibe. To- <laughs> no, it's definitely downtown hark spot. Okay, all right, okay. Neil, where, where where do you want to hear this? I want to hear this on a road trip when it comes up every after I listen to every time the sun comes up. Because yeah. that's her better song, in my opinion. So when I want to listen to this is when I put that song on and this comes up on shuffle afterwards. And I'm like, oh, I guess we'll listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will continue listening to it on my playlist. I, I, 
<laughs> my girlfriend was basically like, don't play it again because it's going to be stuck in my head all night. <laughs> no, it's definitely catchy. I mean, it's definitely yeah. it's fun that way. It's got that feeling. So in our Under the Influence segment, what, what would you say, Jonathan, I know Stevie Nicks. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely Stevie Nicks. And there again, that um, if you want to look at the 90s, I'd say 1979. Look at the 80s, I would say um, Stevie Nicks. Look at the 70s, any Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah, I don't get the Bruce Springsteen stuff. I I, I can't. I mean, I understand it. Oh, also, uh, Mel- Melissa Etheridge is of the same ilk, a little more folky acoustic, mm-hmm. but definitely of that vibe. I can see that. Maybe not this song specifically, but Lucinda Williams is right in her wheelhouse, especially with her earlier stuff. Um, when I first heard this, before I I dove into it, it just because this song is so epic and anthemic, it I thought she was more of like a Florence and the Machine kind of situation. Well, she I was know. a folk singer. Yeah, like all of her uh, other albums before this one, it's like yeah, and folk that's the song I harmonies. the song I referenced. The every time the sun comes up is so good. Yeah. Johnny, you should listen to that. Why don't we talk about it's, that one? I read some stuff that she was very influenced by Nick Cave, uh, his album Skeleton Tree on this album, which that's an artist I need to listen to more of. I he comes up so much, and I've never really listened to too much of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. But when I do put it on, I don't mind it. Um, He's got a very deep like. Like deep voice and like kind of how he sings. It's, it almost feels like it's goth, but it's not. You know, or like metal, but it's not. Right, right, like right. It, Something this really reminded me of was um, because it's just a um, a very introspective, sweet song, and it's kind of synth based. Is "Song for Zula" by Phosphorescent. It's a good one, yeah. Um, it's more of a love song, but um, it's very, it's synth heavy and full of pain, and. Um, Looking at videos and stuff, I saw her do a version of this on NPR Tiny Desk, which is really cool. I'd recommend to anyone to watch any Tiny Desk because those are amazing little performances. Yeah, those are pretty sweet. I would say listen to this album, Remind Me Tomorrow. I think it's really good, especially the You Shadow is another of my favorite songs on that album. She does a great cover of The End of the World. Oh, that was um, from Man in the High Castle? Yeah. Yeah. Which is... I listened to that great. right before we did this podcast. Uh, who did who? Whose song is that? I, I don't actually don't know who the original. Well, there's there's know, a couple like, songs. Don't you know, that's the end of the world. Oh, that's a Brenda Lee, I think. Yeah, I don't even know how old that is. A, it, it sounds like something that could have been written in the 30s. No, I think that's Brenda Lee, man. She's freaking awesome. But yeah, I would say dive into Sharon Van Etten. Her her vocals in this kind of make me think of Chrissy Hines, and I love the Pretenders. So listen to that, and then. Pat Benatar's hits from the 80s. Can't go wrong. Love those tunes. Yeah, that is Brenda Lee, and it's called The End of the World from 1963. What? Dude, oh, she was okay. crazy good. Like, she, was six, she was like 17. She was on tour with Patsy Cline when she was like 14 or 15. Okay, so that is going to do it this week, this episode. And now we are going to play a cover of Sharon Van Etten's 17.
That's going to do it for this episode. The cover you just heard was performed by um, me on vocals and rhythm and Neil Marsh playing all the other lovely guitars you just heard. If you would like to communicate with us or follow us on Twitter or Instagram, the handle is at PodGaveRock. And join us next week, which is Jonathan's week. Johnny, what are we going to be discussing? Rolling Stones waiting on a friend. Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs>